Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest begins a new series on the power of imagination. This morning, I want to talk to you about the power of imagination, and I want to apply it specifically to how you can use your God-given imagination to walk out your vision, your calling, your dream in life. Amen? Your imagination is a gift from God. Imagination in the heart of man is extremely powerful. And it can be used for good or for evil. And there are teachers out there, Bible teachers. I differ with them greatly on this. But there are Bible teachers out there that preach against the use of your imagination. And they say it's witchcraft. And I say it's only witchcraft if you use your imagination to conceive sin, evil, or rebellion in your life. But if you use an imagination to believe God to become the person God called you to become, that's very godly. That's one of the reasons that God gave you an imagination. I believe that imagination is the tool that God has given us to enable us to see things that are not seen in the natural realm. And in that regard, I believe imagination is at the very core of faith. Hebrews 11.1 Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the evidence of things not seen in the natural realm, but these things can be seen through the eye of faith through your God-given imagination. Amen? Well, praise the Lord for the flashing lights. That's God saying, preach it, boy, that's good. Proverbs 23, 7 says it this way, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you can see yourself becoming the person God called you to be, you can become the person God called you to become. If you can see yourself doing the things that God called you to do, then you can do the things that God called you to do, even though others say it's impossible. It is possible, however, to use imagination in the wrong way, and I want to start off with the wrong way and progress to the right way. Genesis chapter 11, verse 6, a very familiar story. You probably read about it or heard about it in Sunday school. The Tower of Babel, Genesis eleven six, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass, as they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick, and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach unto heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Amen to the word. Verse 6 in the NIV says it even more clearly. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. I find that astonishing. Even the unbelieving world has embraced this concept. If you can dream or imagine a thing, it is possible to achieve what otherwise seems impossible. Even the unbelievers are doing it. That's how powerful your imagination is. Now, in this case, 
There is evidence that points to an evil and idolatrous motive behind the building of what came to be known as the Tower of Babel. The tower was most likely intended to be an observatory dedicated to the pursuit of astrology, a magnificent structure such as the world had never seen. As you may know, astrology takes astronomy, which is the legitimate study of the stars, to a whole new level. And that is to worship the sun, the moon, the planets, and the stars. And to look to them as a way of predicting the future, which we know from our Bibles only God can do. Amen? Amen. I find it interesting that even the imagination of an ungodly group of people who were building a tower dedicated to the worship of false gods, would take them places that they otherwise would not go. And God had to intervene and put a stop to it. Because He realized where their imagination could take them, and it was for evil intents and purposes, not godly. How much more will the imagination of godly people take them places they could not otherwise go, achieving the impossible because they first dreamed it or imagined it? Let's talk about Abraham, the prime example, the father of our faith. God used elements of creation that were familiar to Abraham to communicate the grand vision that he had for Abraham's life. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said to Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, And in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Notice that God tells Abraham to look at the land, then uses the dust of the land to paint a picture of the innumerable seed that was promised unto him. He tells Abraham to walk through the land that he had promised him from the length to the breadth. It's a good piece of land if you study it out. It's a pretty large piece of land, so I think it probably took him a while to walk that out. And as he did this, you got to know that he and his entourage probably kicked up a lot of dust along the way. And every time the dust clouds formed, it formed a picture of what God had promised unto him. The innumerable multitude of his seed was illustrated as he obeyed God and walked to the north, south, east, and west to the length and breadth of the land that God had promised unto him. I think that's awesome. He used something that Abraham was familiar with to paint a picture in his heart, his mind, his imagination of the grandeur and the magnificence of this great vision that he had given unto Abraham. Glory to God. Then verse 18 says something very cool. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. After God gives Abraham the first glimpse of his great destiny, he pitches his tent in a place called Mamre, which in the Hebrew means strength. I think this is significant for the following reason. When God gives you a picture of your destiny whether through a vision, a dream, or a prophetic word, 
There will come a time when your word will be tested, when it will be tried. Amen. When those times come, you got to pitch your tent on the strength of God's word to you and refuse to be moved. Amen. Isn't the word of God wonderful? Genesis 15, verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Here God reinforces the promise that he made to Abraham in chapter 13 using another element that Abraham was very familiar with, and that is the stars in the desert night sky. I don't know if you've ever been in the desert at night and observed the starlit sky, but it is absolutely spectacular, magnificent. Again, the Lord is painting a picture in the mind and imagination of Abraham so he could get a handle on the staggering scope of the vision that God had given him. The promise seemed impossible, so he gave him visual aids to help him get his arms around it. Amen? Now, a few things about the stars. My PhD was not in astronomy, but I did study higher mathematics, and I did get into the realm of some astronomical things in my studies and my research. An observer in the northern hemisphere can see about 8,000 stars with the naked eye, but that doesn't include the millions and billions of stars that he can't see. Best estimates say that our galaxy contains about 100 billion stars, but our galaxy is just one of an estimated 100 billion galaxies. So the number of stars in the sky, if you could see all the way to the edge of the observable universe, is 100 billion times 100 billion. I think you can see that no man on earth could ever hope to count all those stars. Amen. I don't think you can count the 8,000 that you can see with the naked eye. I've tried. You ever tried to count stars? It just doesn't work. There's just no way you can do it. There's no practical way to do it. But it illustrated to Abraham the innumerable multitude of the seed that was promised unto him. Glory to God. If you read the story of Abraham, you'll see that God gave him a progressive revelation concerning his calling and his destiny. He was told to leave Ur the Chaldees, not knowing any of the details, not even knowing where he was going to end up. Now that's faith. Head in this direction, son, and stop when I tell you to stop. That's the place I have for you. How many of us would have trouble with instructions like that? We want to know where we're going, amen? That's faith. I think that's one of the reasons they call him the father of our faith. He was given an initial direction and then had to wait on the Lord and trust him for the details so he could walk out his destiny step by step, amen? I think that's God's way. He gives us a glimpse of what we can be if we trust God and follow his plan for our life. He gives us sometimes a powerful vision, and then we have to trust him to get from where we are to where we see ourselves in that great vision. That's the way it is, I think, with just about everybody. God seldom gives you a plan and then gives you every step along the way. I think there's a reason for that. Some of us would balk at some of the steps we have to take to get to that place. We would say things like, well, I I can go this direction. I can take step A, but step B is completely beyond me. So I think God 
mercifully spares us every detail of the plan because sometimes we would just say, there's no way I can do that. Because when you get to that glory, when you get to that place where you become the person God called you to be and you start doing the things that God called you to do, you will look back and you'll go, you know what? I have to trust Him every step of the way. Now it all makes sense. All I had to do was just one step at a time, and now I'm here. Amen. Glory to God. It's a total trust and faith thing to walk out your destiny in Him. Let's look at some other examples from the Scripture. Psalm 105, verse 17. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron. Until the time that His word came, The word of the Lord tried him. This is such an amazing scripture to me. It says that God can give you a word and there will come a time when that word will try you. Well, how does the word try you? Well, when adverse circumstances pop up along the way, when it looks like your dream is not going to come to pass, are you or are you not going to hold on to the word of the Lord? And that way, the word of the Lord tries you and tests you. If you remember the story, Joseph was shown his destiny through a dream that God gave him when he was 17 years old. Abraham was given a verbal word with visual aids in the process. But Joseph was just given a dream, a dream that he didn't really even completely understand. And he had to hold on to that and walk out his destiny until one day he realized exactly what that dream was all about. Amen? This dream was not fulfilled until he was 39 years old, 22 years later. So what a walk of faith Joseph had to endure. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, his brothers sold him into slavery and put him in a pit. Then Potiphar's wife had him put in prison. You know, some people say like this. He got pitted, potted, and putted. (laughs) Glory to God. Hallelujah. You'll never forget that now, will you? Hallelujah. Along those 22 years until his word was fulfilled, you got to know that Joseph had occasion to doubt the word of the Lord as he walked out his destiny, especially when he was in that dungeon and he had iron around his ankles and that iron was hurting him and digging into his ankles and he was probably bruised and bloody. Amen. There were plenty of occasions for Joseph to doubt the word of the Lord. Now, during those times, he had to keep the picture that God had shown him at the forefront of his mind and imagination. Notice this. This is what I want you to get. Notice in the the scriptures, it refers to Joseph's dream as the word of the Lord given specifically to him. So, as I said before, God may give you a verbal word, but he may give you a vision or a dream to show you what you're supposed to do. It's just a different way of communication. It's still considered to be the word of the Lord. Amen. It was a word given to him in a dream in visual form, which was designed to stimulate his imagination concerning his destiny. Amen. One more example. Psalm 119. This is King David. Verse 49. Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. One of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. In this passage, David reminds God of a word that he evidently spoke to him sometime in the past. He was holding on to that word. He was enduring a time of affliction, and it didn't look like that word would ever be fulfilled. So he says, 
Your word is now my comfort during this affliction. I'm going to hold on to it because it quickens and brings life to me. He held the word before him even during tough times until he saw it come to pass. Even if your word from the Lord was not accompanied by a vision or by some visual reference, words always paint a picture in the mind and imagination of the believer. Isn't that right? I say walk the dog. You get some kind of picture of somebody with a dog, hopefully on a leash, being walked, right? Words create pictures in your mind. It's just the way God wired us. So it shouldn't be unusual that God would speak a word to you that would elicit some sort of visual image in your mind. And God says, hold on to that. Hold on to that. This is what I called you to be. This is what I called you to do. And when the tough times come, hold on to the picture that I've given to you of your destiny. Don't let it go. Glory to God. Now, I want to share a personal example of how imagination plays a key role in walking out your destiny. When I was a young man, I had a dream of flying military aircraft and one day flying in space. When I was in junior high, I dreamed of flying military aircraft and of one day flying in space. I would go to the library once or twice a week. I would check out books about flying combat military aircraft, science fiction, books about astronauts, books about flying in space, and I would devour those books. You see, God put a dream on the inside of my heart. And I stoked that dream by reading and imagining that I was flying military aircraft and also flying in space. Amen? This pattern of reading and imagining continued into my high school years and beyond. Even when I flew on an airliner, I would request a window seat so I could sit, preferably a window seat with my right hand to the window. And I would imagine that I was controlling that aircraft. I would put my hand on the armrest. I would make like I'm holding a stick. And I would watch as we went down the runway. And right when I knew he was going to lift off, I would pull back on the stick and imagine that I was the one controlling that airplane. Sometimes I would do the same thing when landing. I would imagine myself flaring the aircraft, pulling the throttles back, you know, and then just greasing it. You know, I did this over and over and over and over again. It just consumed my imagination. It really did. It became a part of me. I saw myself flying military aircraft. I saw myself flying in space. I saw myself doing things that everybody around me said was impossible. I even had friends of mine in college that told me, you will never fly a military aircraft. You do not have what it takes. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And I said, you know what? Watch me. Watch it happen, pal. That was my response. Hallelujah. Sixteen years after I graduated from high school, I was flying a fighter jet low level over the New Mexico desert at 600 miles per hour. I was moving the stick and the jet was responding to my control inputs. Just like I had imagined so many times before, only now it was real. I remember that day just like it was yesterday. 
I said to myself in the cockpit, Lord, this is just how I imagined it. And it's just wonderful. And I want to thank you for putting me in this cockpit and enabling me to fly this fighter jet just like I imagined that I would do one day. Now, Lord, I'm pretty low and I'm pretty fast, so keep me safe. Because one wrong pulse on that stick and I'm in the dirt and I'm dead. That was what went through my mind. I just had a little praise you Jesus moment. I I wasn't able to put my hands in the air because when you're low level at 600 miles an hour, you got to be holding on to the controls or it's very dangerous. Amen. Now, the dream of flying in space, you might be wondering, has not come to pass yet. That's still out there and. It's a dream that I imagine I think about constantly. I know some of you might think that's delusional, but listen, when God plants a dream in your heart, He plans on bringing that to fruition one way or another. One day it will be fulfilled. Whether the world's technology takes me there or whether the Lord takes me there Himself, it no longer matters to me because I believe it will be as I imagined it would be. And that imagination was planted in my heart by the Lord himself. So let me wrap it up by saying this. Learn to harness the power of godly imagination when it comes to your calling, your dream, your vision. When God shows you a picture, when he shows you a glimpse of what you can be, latch hold of that picture and trust him to lead you through the steps that it will take to get you to that place. Walk it out with Him as your guide until that dream becomes a reality in your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I speak to all the dreamers in this place. I say in Jesus' name, all those dreams will come to pass. Those that were planted by you, planted in their hearts, Father God, I thank you that as they follow you step by step, even those things that seem impossible will come to pass. I declare over this congregation, they will become the men and women of God that you created them to be, and they will do the things that you call them to do as long as they begin to see themselves being that and doing that. If they see it, they can be it. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on the power of imagination. If you would like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teaching, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page, at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father We believe in Jesus Christ We believe in the Holy Spirit And He's given us new life We believe in the crucifixion We believe that He conquered death We believe in the resurrection And He's coming back again We believe